Hello, everybody out there listening, and welcome to Two Gentlemen Who Bring You the Gift of the Turnbuckle Post. Drink it in, man. (laughs) Hello, this is Jesse the Body, along with, as always, my co-host, Johnny Podcast. How are we doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, my friend. Uh, You know, uh, it's it's another Tuesday, uh, you know, and and like... uh, you know, I apologize. This this episode was supposed to come out last week. Uh, my schedule got away from me. So, ninety nine percent of the time, if we have a delay, it's my fault. Uh, Jesse's <laughs> usually pretty good about, you know, being uh, on time and uh, where he's supposed to be and and free when I need him to. It's just I'm I'm terrible about keeping the schedule. So, I do apologize, to everybody. Jesse, I apologize to you as well. I wanted to get this put to bed last week, and I just unfortunately it just didn't work out. So, um, other than that, doing good. Yeah, I, uh, I did that intro because I watched the, um, the Broken Skull sessions on the Peacock Network uh, with Stone Cold and Jericho. Mm-hmm. Actually, a very, very good uh, episode of the Broken Skull sessions, and they had that they had that in there. It reminded me of it, so I'm like, yeah, that, uh, that takes me back. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about what that reference was for a minute. I mean, it, it feels like Jericho's gone through like all kinds of uh, uh, character evolution since since even that. Um, you know, just a guy that, um, you know, this is way off topic, but he, he continually reinvents himself. Um, so he's never irrelevant. And that's what's what's great about him as a performer um, is that he's he's never like stuck with one persona and uh, he's made everything that he's done work, you know, some to better degrees than other. But uh, but for the most part, you know, he's he's done a really great job. Yeah, he's the only he's the only one uh, who's not currently on the TV roster working for a rival company who appeared on the Broken Skull Sessions. And uh, yeah. it's kind of funny the way Austin said it came together. He said he texted Vince McMahon at like one in the morning after him and Jericho had had a talk and asked him if it was okay. And Vince said, yeah, go ahead and do it. So I think, think it'll be great. That's so, awesome. Uh, yeah, he went ahead and uh, it was about a two-hour about a two-hour show. I mean, if you, if you get some time, definitely check it out. Yeah. It was a pretty good one. We'll do. I'm. I'm. I've got a little bit of a backlog uh, of trying to get caught up on. Uh, I didn't finish Dynamite last week, uh, and I'm about a week behind on NXT as well. Uh, watched enough of Backlash to be able to talk about tonight. Um, just, just had a little bit of a backlog that I'm trying to get through. So that'll be on the list as well. Yeah, as far as um NXT last week, I thought it was a very good show. I thought putting the title, North American title, on Bronson Reed was the right call. I think I think it's his time. I, I wish they would have done like a championship celebration though with the way before they did that, uh-huh. you know, to show that you know that three of them had titles. But I I don't know why for whatever reason they didn't. But I thought it was a very Johnny Gargano doesn't have a bad match, and he's going to make anybody he's in there with look a hundred percent better than what what they normally are just because of of how good he is. No, so, no, and that it was a very good match. Yeah, and 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 you know it takes two to to tango, but. Uh, like you said, you know, Johnny can carry a lot of a match, but, um, you know, I think he's very fortunate to have a guy like Bronson Reed on the other side that, you know, he's a guy that can hold his own as well. Um, and that makes it a even better, you know, pairing when you have two guys that can absolutely tear it down. And just the the tsunami, the the finisher, Bronson Reed just looks so tremendous just because of his size. Uh, I think the only thing I've seen, you know, akin to that would be like the Bam Bam Salt um, or maybe the <clears> – <throat> Or I, I did Vader call it the Vader bomb when he did. Or yeah, Vader bomb. Yeah. 
So, you know, those, those types of things, it's, it's, it's along, along those lines where it's just, you know, a huge man flying from the top rope. I, I got to say the one final beat that Gargano did from the top rope in the cage match was just, mm-hmm. it, it was excellent, man. And Bronson sold it really well. Just mm-hmm. all around, it was one of the better cage matches uh, you'll, you'll ever see. So I would definitely check out yeah. NXT just, just for that meeting. It was a really, really good match. Will do. Um, and then tonight's episode that uh, we're we're taping this. Well, that's on um, Damian Priest and I'm not. I'm sorry, not Damian Priest. Karrion Cross and Finn Balor will have their their second meeting um, for the NXT title. Uh, there's a NXT tag team title match, I believe, and uh, Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon are taking on Raquel Gonzalez and um, Dakota Kai, uh, as well as Frankie Monet's uh, WWE in ring debut. Um, which they've been hyping the crap out of. I don't know if you've seen that, um, but they put up billboards and signs and all kinds of stuff in Florida, like saying, you know, Frankie Monet is coming. So they have, uh, they have, I, I, I can definitely tell they have huge, huge hopes for her. Yeah. Oh, uh, she's, she's a very gifted individual. Um, and, you know, it doesn't hurt that she, you know, her husband's already on the roster. Um, but, but she definitely, uh, you know, she could carry her own you know, her own water, um, in this business. And, um, I'm excited to see what she does. Uh, like I said, I mean, we're, we're both going to probably watch it tomorrow, but, um, excuse me, but, um, but I'm, I'm excited to see how she does. I obviously, like you said, they have big plans and big aspirations for her. So. Okay. Was, I can't remember. Are we going to talk about something else besides the WrestleMania backlash? Uh, I thought we were going to do a full-on review show, and then next uh, next episode we tape, we'll do a uh, we'll do the new format again. Okay, I wanted to talk about too, uh, just to give an update to our listeners. I want to talk about we can split this up, and it's but storylines in WCW. Uh, okay. I saw something on this the other day, and I and I kind of agreed with it, and went back and did some research on a lot of these things. So I'd like to do uh, uh, the ten best things that WCW did when it was. Um, when it was still around. Yeah, I think that'd be good. I mean, that, that'd be a def- different, uh, that'd be a more positive highlight than what we've talked about them in the past for the most part. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I mean, the company did great... some, did some great things. It wasn't all bad. Yeah. It was just, you know, what we talked about last week in the wrestling rubbish was, you know, that was the start of their downfall and it just, it just snowballed from there. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it eventually it became, you know, beating a dead horse. I mean, there's only so many times that, the NWO is going to be shocking and revolutionary, and that's once, um, you know, and they, they, you know, flogged it out and had this gigantic roster of people. Then they tried to, as we talked about last week, you know, merge it into, you know, an elite ultra group. And then the NWOB team still existed and the LWO existed. And then uh, they rebooted it again with Jeff Jarrett and Bret Hart and the Outsiders and, um, you know, obviously, and then the final time that it, it came back was in WWF or WWE, um, you know, with, with the original three, but, and even that fizzled out because of injuries and because Hogan was just too much of a baby face for him to be in a heel faction. But, you know, that, unfortunately that was like, and like you said, they even tried it with different names, uh, you know, the millionaires club, the new bloods, um, you know, all those things were just a rehash of that, that original NWO angle that did so well. Um, and then we saw that carry over when, you know, Bischoff and Russo and, the, and those types of folks were at uh, TNA. I mean, it was the same idea. 
So it was just all, you know, and I don't, I don't have a problem with factions, but I have a problem with when you, when it, that's the only thing that you're trying to accomplish. Um, I feel like that, that waters down your product and makes, makes your guys seem uh, less special, I guess. Well, and, and the thing about it was too, is the fact that, you know, it, it was eventually supposed to lead up where the faces, you know, that the good guys would get their revenge on the NWO. They never did. So guys would just no. join the NWO because they were tired of getting their asses kicked every week. And so you'd have a new guy join the NWO. You know, you had a guy join the NWO. They became a star overnight, and it just watered it down to yeah. the point where people just, you know, it, they, they never got their comeuppance. No, and, and, I mean, you got guys like Scott Flash Norton and uh, Stevie Ray and, uh, you know, uh, freaking Ed Leslie uh, as the disciple. I mean, you, you got all these, like, you know, hangers-on and has-beens in the group. And, you know, I, I don't mean any offense to Stevie Ray. I mean, he was great in his day with his brother. But, um, you know, at that point, he was it was towards the end of his career. Um, and it, like you said, it just it waters it down. Um, and it, it, it should be an elite group. Um, and I think that's what they really missed the ball on. Yeah, and I, I don't want to talk – Flash, I'm getting the backlash thing after our, after a break, but WWE nowadays just the diversity that's running through that company right now is unlike anything I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, let me just give our, our listeners a little rundown here. You got the WWE champion right now who who is a black man and Bobby Lashley. You got the right. Universal champion who is a Samo- of Samoan descent and Roman Reigns. Right. Uh, the women's champion is uh, on SmackDown, a black woman. Right. And you have woman as the Raw Women's Champion. You got two two Latinos as the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. You got a white man and a black man as the Raw Tag Team Champions. Over in NXT, you got Kushida, Japanese Cruiserweight Champion. Mm-hmm. You got Raquel Gonzalez, Latina um, uh, Women's Champion. You got Karen Cross, who is of Puerto Rican descent, and he's the uh, NXT Champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Sheamus and, and a white Irishman, who is the United States Champion, uh, Apollo mm-hmm. Crews. A black man of uh, who is the intercontinental champion. I mean, I've never seen this much diversity, and, and and it's not like they just threw it against the wall and said, "Well, we need to diversity's sake." All these people earn the titles that that they have. It's all been earned. It's nothing. Nothing's been given, which is what I think is really cool about it, and just shows how how far the company has come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's something that we've touched on before. But yeah, I mean, that that's a really great breakdown of, of what we've seen. I mean, in, in, I mean, just that WWE title itself. I mean, until you mean, if, unless you count The Rock, that was never even held by a man by an African American man until Kofi Kingston. Um, I mean, obviously, Rock is half descent. I'm I'm not here to argue his you know genetics or biology or whatever. Um, so, I mean, we can even count him. That's fine. But, you know, even at that, that wasn't until the 2000s. So this this shift has been significant. Um, and like you said, I think it, it's 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 a meritocracy, obviously. But I think the, the world part of world wrestling entertainment is really starting to kick into gear. They're really starting to see the value in having people from all different backgrounds representing this company on the world stage. Um, I, you know, I think, I think finally they understand that they have a global audience and, you know, it, people are more apt to spend money and spend time on something where they feel like they're represented. 
And, you know, like you said, it's not, it's not just in lip service. Uh, you know, Apollo Crews completely re- reinvigorated his character with this Nigerian prince gimmick. Um, <clears throat> Seamus has completely changed his character around. I mean, he's still coming out in the same gear and everything, but he's doing things differently now. He's taking it to another level. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Lashley, you know, he went from, you know, having trans, you know, transgendered sisters as a joke to, you know, being, you know, just the, the most serious badass, you know, on the show that other than, you know, Orton or Drew McIntyre. And, um, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's been, it's been refreshing. It's been a, it's been a, a transition of the business um, as a whole. Uh, I think we're seeing it across a lot of, a lot of areas. Um, and I think, I think it's great. Um and I, I'm glad to see WWE leading leading the forefront in it. Yeah, and like, you know you've got all these different backgrounds. Like, you know Roman, and like I said, you know they, it's all been earned. Roman Reigns is doing some of the best work of his career right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, SmackDown is very very engaging to watch. I know, I know AEW is moving to a Friday night time slot at 10 p.m. Man, that is that is not a good sign. That is that is the no. death nail for any show to be at that time slot. Well, and I'm hoping it's only temporary. It is. It's temporary for the for the NBA playoffs. Um, they're actually so they'll be on that time slot until July, I think. Um, and then they're going to go to uh, back to Wednesdays, and then in September when uh, the TV uh, TV like uh, when the fall previews happen or you know fall restarts or whatever. Um, AEW is going to actually be moving to TBS, so they'll no longer be preempted. So they'll have their Wednesday night show every week. It won't. They won't change it. They won't move it around. Um, and then um, they're actually getting a Friday show as well called Rampage, I think. Um, and it'll that one will also air on TBS. So I don't know about going directly against SmackDown. I don't think that's a good idea. Um, I know right now they probably don't have much choice in the matter. Um, but uh, I mean, and this is something that we've seen. You know. Uh, WCW had to deal with back in the day. You know, Raw used to get preempted for the dog show. <laughs> yeah, I remember I that. Mean, so I mean, it's just it's it's based on what the what the uh, prerogative is for the for the uh, parent company. And obviously, you know, with Warner, um, you know, they spent a lot of money for that NBA um, license. So I mean, they're going to obviously have that. And you know, AEW is important to them, but just you know, on the scale of hierarchy, it's not going to be where the NBA is. Um, and that's just, just a fact of, fact of life. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the changing of the networks is based on uh, Turner uh, acquired the uh, rights to the NHL. The NHL has their showcase games on Wednesday nights. So, like, if you think of, like, Sunday night football or Monday night football, that's what they have Wednesday night hockey. Um, so that's why they're going to go ahead and change uh, networks for that. So, um, I mean, yeah, I'm, just, I'm just hoping because they said it was going to be a 10 PM time slot on Friday nights, which yeah, Tony Khan is still looking at ratings. His ratings aren't going to look good for that, but he's got to remember no. where he's going to be at. He's going to be at a 10 yeah. PM time slot on a Friday night where most people will probably just record the show. They're not going to watch it live. No, no. I mean, I'm, I mean, honestly, I'll probably watch it on tape delay like I have. I mean, and I typically do that anyway. Um, I hardly ever watch it live. Uh, I hardly watch any wrestling live anymore just because, you know, if you have the option to not watch commercials, uh, it's a lot easier to to get through a show. Um, you know, like I said. I watch almost everything now except for the pay-per-views. 
watch everything now usually yeah next day because give me that option next day sling has it on on demand so i'm able to watch nxt smackdown yeah. i have to wait a couple of days because of, of it being on fox until it airs on fs1 yeah. and then i can watch it after that yeah absolutely and i guess i guess we would we'd be doing a disservice to our audience um we, we could save this for our next episode, but we can go ahead and talk about it now. Um, you know, there was another round of releases this week, um, and chiefly among them, um, obviously, Velveteen Dream uh, was released by the company. Uh, he actually came out uh, yesterday or today, I think, and addressed the allegations against him. And I, I would encourage anybody to go look at it. Um, obviously, I've been skeptical of, you know, his his uh, involvement and in what's been going on. I, I don't think I've hid that very much at all but uh you know his his rationale and his his reasoning and his story seems to make sense it seems to be like he probably just put himself in a bad position and then was made to look like something that he wasn't um, and he probably he probably should have came out sooner but i heard there was there was a, there was another reason is that he wasn't i guess he wasn't very humble he wasn't very liked but he had some he had some you know uh, backup from higher ups that Oh, okay. for a while which i guess that finally just kind of fell through but i i just i had read that he he wasn't very humbled at all and he didn't yeah. i mean he, he probably has some maturing that he needs to do i mean I'm, I'm sure that the door would be open for him to return at a later mm-hmm. date but just like with maybe drew mcintyre or somebody like that if you know go off get, get some maturity get some yeah. some uh grittiness under your belt and, and then return with a fresh perspective yeah you got some he has some growing up to do um and then uh obviously uh jessamine duke one of the uh uh, four horsewomen uh, of the MMA version. Uh, she was let go. Um, there were some other ones too. Uh, Drake Wirtz has been a com- controversial figure as a referee um, just for things that he's done outside of the company. Um, and uh, he was let go. And I, I think they're just, uh, from what I've read, they're, they're just showing that they can tighten their belts. Um, I don't know. Uh, there were some more releases today, uh, and they they're realigning a lot of things. Uh, I know Kevin Dunn's supposed to be heading up a new division, and I and I don't recall what that is off the top of my head, but he's going to be basically running his own division of the of the uh, product. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, I mean, some a lot of these these were like just minute. I can't. Last time she wrestled was in 2019. Last time Dream wrestled was in the very beginning of, I think it was actually uh, December of 2020. So yeah. people that, that they weren't using. And, and, you know, if that's the case, I mean, if you're not going to use the super the talent, to just release them. They can go elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, they, they could return at a, at a different time. Um, right. Well, you know, why, why hold them? You don't have a plan for them. You know, why keep them from, from making a living and enjoying what they're doing? I mean, nobody's, nobody's winning anything with that. I mean, it's it's all, the only thing that would be gained from that is WWE not having to compete against them somewhere else. Um, and I, and at that point, I don't think if you're WWE, you're really worried about that. Um, you know, is Velveteen Dream going to go to New Japan and, and you know, change the business? I, I don't think so. But um, it's it's just, you know, it, 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 it's interesting to see what they do with the business and, and how things go forward. And, and, and also... As I mentioned, New Japan, a um, lot of just negative news coming out of there. Um, their champion, Will Osprey, had to relinquish the title um, because he injured his neck pretty severely. Um, I don't know if there's any kind of timetable for him to come back. 
Uh, it's obviously a big blow to the company because they put a lot of stock in him. Uh, he was out for almost all of 2020 because he was quarantined in England. Uh, came back, had a huge return, had his own faction, um, you know, ascended through the ranks and, and took the championship belt from uh, Kota Ibushi. And then obviously, you know, the worst time injury that you could possibly have. Um, and then also they've had a rash of uh, COVID-19 um, uh, positives. And uh, they're so supposedly the morale is very bad right now over there in Japan. So just worth mentioning. Interesting. Yeah, I remember reading about uh, Will Ospreay got and hurt his neck. So, I mean, like I said, this kind of injury, he could be out up to a year, depending on yeah. the severity of it. Yeah, or I mean, it, it could be the end of. I mean, I I don't want to speculate, but you know, with neck injuries, it's hard telling um, if you can ever come back or if you have to get surgery or whatever. Um, I, I mean, I think things have improved in that department. I mean, we've seen Edge come back, we've seen Champa come back. Um, you know, Angle lasted a lot longer than he probably should have been able to. Um, so I think medicine is is helping that, but um, obviously, you know, you just never know. With, with those kinds of injuries. Yeah. All right. So you want to take a quick break and then hop into the uh, Backlash review? That sounds good. We'll see you all in a few minutes. All right. All right. Well, we're back from our break. And uh, Jesse, I'm going to let you run through most of this because uh, I feel like I'm losing my voice. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm going to let you handle most of it. Clash. It was, it was a card that only had um, six matches, and then they had one. Like, it, it was kind of nice because the match got plenty of time. It was within the three hour. I think it was a nice, you know, three hour time frame. Mm-hmm. Really smooth. You know, like I said, the matches got time. Uh, there was really only one. Negative match on the card. Uh, the rest of the card was, was really good. Um, this may be the last pay-per-view they do in the Thunderdome. Um, no, 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 I'm sorry. They're going to do Hell in a Cell next month in the Thunderdome. Yes. But the, that may be the last – Hell in a Cell may be the last one they do in the Thunderdome because where it is that they're going to um, start touring and that Money in the Bank will be in front of live fans. So we'll see how that how that works out in the next couple of months. But the kickoff show match was just uh, a match that was thrown together just just for the kickoff ties beforehand. Uh, it was Ricochet against Sheamus. I tell you, man, seeing Ricochet, he is so underrated. I really wish they would use him better like they did in NXT because uh, mm-hmm. he ended up having a really good match uh, with Sheamus here and on, on the on the following Monday Night Raw. He, he never won either night, but he's just an amazing talent and the stuff he can do in that ring. I, I just really don't understand why they don't utilize him more. Yeah. I mean, with, with, between him and, uh, you know, with, with Keith Lee doing an incredible disappearing act, um, <laughs> you know, they've got a couple of guys that are incredibly talented that they're just, they're not doing anything with them. I, I really don't understand it. I don't know if it's a personal thing, um, you know, I, evidently there was some kind of sex tape leak for Ricochet. Um, so I don't know if that's holding him back, but uh, you know, I just think it'd be silly to, to waste a talent just because of something stupid like that. 
Oh, well, now wait a minute. I didn't hear nothing about this. He's he he made a uh, I've seen something online about it. Uh, apparently, he was in a hotel room and he was uh, putting some fingers in places that aren't supposed to. <laughs> oh, so this, I was mean, a, this was a self-made. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, he's taping himself. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, traveling the Hershey Highway. <laughs> <laughs> no. For lack of a better word, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm not here to kink shame or anything. If that's your thing. By all means, um, I you know that's not for me to judge. But um, if that if that was what's holding him back, I, I hope that's not the case because it's a really dumb reason to to not give somebody you know the opportunity to uh, advance. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, Sheamus has some pr- pretty good. Con- I mean, I'm glad that he is the U.S. champion because he has some faces that he can work with. He has Ricochet. There's also Umberto Carrillo, Mansoor they just signed so he has some people that he can work with mm-hmm. do i think any of them are going to take the u.s title at this point i would say no i would think ricochet would be the closest to maybe do that yeah but um this was just kind of a feeler you know that out there ricochet did attack seamus took his jacket you know to try to get some heat back but um it, it was what it was for for a kickoff show match it was just just a little feeler out there just to get people primed for the main for the main mm-hmm. roster which this started off kind of weird. So the whole, I guess this movie, this, I'm sorry, this movie, this event was sponsored by the new Zack Snyder movie, Army of the Dead. So you kind of had that intro. Dave Bautista, who was starring in the movie, did it, did an intro. Of course, he has a wrestling background as well with WWE. So he did the intro. They, they started, they put in clips of the movie. We didn't know how much of an impact that was going to have on the show until two or three matches in. Um, but it was it was pretty unique, you know, pushing be pretty hard. I mean, do you have anything to say about any? Oh no, not not off the top of my head. I mean, obviously, you know, with with cross promotions, it's it's either hit or miss. I mean, for every you know thing that goes right, we've seen you know Triple H come out dressed like the Terminator at, at WrestleMania 31 and a really terrible homage. Uh, we've seen RoboCop and you know next to Sting in ni- in the 1990s, and you know Chucky cut promos on Rick Rick Steiner. Um, you know it's it is what it is at this point with the business, but uh, uh, obviously I, I would have preferred if they would have just kept it to the video package. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, so we start off the night with the uh, Raw Women's Championship, the Triple Threat with um, Oscar and Charlotte Flair. Um, I got to say, man, this is a really good match. These three women really worked well together. They picked their spots. There wasn't a lot of rest holds. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a lot of action. Uh, you know, typical of triple threats where one would be out of the ring while two others were battling in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, it ended kind of the way that I thought it would. I, you know, I thought Oscar would be the one to take the pin fr- from Ripley, and that's mm-hmm. what happened. Yeah, you know, Charlotte wasn't on the decision. Apparently, she had kicked Asuka, which knocked her off the apron, and that set her up for the riptide from Ripley. So I thought it was a, a good triple threat, competitive right from the moment the bell rang. Um, to watch the match? I have not. Um, I, from what I'm reading about it, though, it looks like, yeah, good competitive match, a little bit of the, the you know, the typical triple threat, um, you know, pacing that we would normally see where someone's on the outside uh rotating in and working you know working it as a one-on-one um i I like 
I liked that they had a, a more clean finish than the, the men's match did. Um, obviously, we'll get into that later. Um, too many times in these matches, they've done, you know, you know, the heel come back in and get the pinfall, even though they didn't earn it. Um, and that's obviously kind of what we would see later. Um, I, I'm not a fan of that. I would rather see, you know, something like this. It's a little bit more creative. Yeah, I mean, they didn't use any weapons, which is legal in a triple threat, but, you know, they didn't need to utilize it. You know, they, they used their 15 minutes well. You know, I think Asuka take, taking the pinfall was just they're setting up for Ripley, Flair, I think, to most likely headline SummerSlam. I think that's where their, their one-on-one, one-on-one match is going to take place, sort of their rematch from uh, WrestleMania last year when, when Flair beat Ripley, but that's where I think they're going with that. Yeah, I think I think you're right on about that. Um, I I I think they'll probably do something to to delay it a little bit. Uh, I don't think they'll put them together just like right away, uh, like Hell in a Cell or anything. Uh, hopefully, they'll keep them apart until SummerSlam. Uh, that would be the the most effective way to to really get the crowd in, invested in it, especially uh, with having a live crowd back. Well, about 20 years ago, they could probably do that, but with the way today's world is and the way today's market, they want. And now, no, now, now, they want it rushed. Fans want it rushed. It's like, let this build up to a good. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with them waiting until SummerSlam to do this one-on-one match. But yeah, I, I, if history is any indication, they could have them do it at Hell in a Cell next month. I'm hoping that's not the no. case, but you never know. <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely right. Um, you know this, it, it, it's unfortunate. It's it's the immediate gratification thing we talked about before. Um, it's it it kind of no one has patience for that long-term storyline. Um, and unfortunately those are the ones that usually play out, um, play out better and more satisfying, but it's not, it's not as entertaining in the interim. Um, you just have to be patient, but like you said, it doesn't always work out that way, especially with, with a, you know, big company like WWE. So the next match we get to is the SmackDown tag team championships, which would be uh, Dolph Ziggler. And Robert Roode versus Rey Mysterio and Dominant Mysterio. So on the kickoff show, I guess they had uh, Ziggler and Roode attack Dominic in the back to try to, mm-hmm. which they did. Ray Ray pretty much ended up wrestling a handicap match until maybe the last ten minutes or so, when mm-hmm. um, you know Dominic against all odds came down there holding his ribs. Um, I, I thought it was a terrific match though. When Dominic was taken out earlier in the night, I figured he'd make the comeback, and that led to the title change. I think I would have waited on the title change until they right. had fans there, maybe at Money in the Bank. <clears throat> but I thought everybody did their jobs well, and now we have the first ever uh, father-son tag team champions in wrestling history, or at least in WWE history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh... Go ahead. No, go go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, um, and you know, this – there was going to be very hard for this to be a bad match. Um, you know, you got Ziggler and Rude, um, two great workers, obviously Mysterio. Uh, he still has a lot left in the tank. And then Dominic has been impressive uh, since he debuted at last year's SummerSlam. A um, lot more polished than I thought he would have been. And uh, obviously, you know, getting the big baby face, uh, baby face push here, you know, as coming back from an injury like that, uh, you know, it makes for really great storytelling. See, I think I would have done this differently, though, man. I think I would have had, instead of uh, Ziggler Root taking out Dominic, I think I would have had them take out Ray. That way, you know, Dominic would have wrestled the first half of the match as a handicap match, and then Ray would come down and and be the one yeah. to, to get that hot tag, and then they would build 
they build to the finish. I think, you know, Ray Mysterio showing me presses me at some me and some of the other injuries that he's still able to go and perform a lot like somebody in his 20s. It's just amazing. Yeah, no, and, and I think a lot of that, I think uh, he lost a lot of uh, muscle mass. Like, he got really bulked up there for a while. And uh, now that he's slimmed back down, I think I think that's really helped his in-ring, um, what he's doing as far as his in-ring work. Um, you can see that he's he's moving a little more fluidly. Um, he's a little bit more like the Rey Mysterio of old. Um, obviously, you know, in WWE, they want him to be the land of the Giants, so he was trying to do his best to, to live up to that. But uh, but I think, you know, the smaller stature suits him better, and uh, I mean, we're seeing that with uh, – this has been a pretty good run for him. Um, the uh, the eye for the eye match, you know, being the being the lone exception, and that really wasn't his fault. So, so. now I think I think that was the start of the pandemic, and I think <clears throat> just throw anything against the wall to try to keep viewers engaged with not having live fans there. They, you know, it was just um, a lot of unfortunate things happened during the uh, the pandemic era. I mean, there were some good things, but more, yeah. <laughs> more bad than not. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, we'll look back on it and we'll remember things like the, you know, the eye for an eye and retribution and um, things like that. But like you said, there it's it's a balance. Um, you know, there's not everything's going to work. Um, and, you know, they're trying to keep us entertained through, you know, probably the most difficult period of uh, my life I'll probably ever see, hopefully. Um, and, you know, and, and a lot of other people's lives, too, obviously. Um, so <clears throat> hopefully, you know. We don't have to deal with that again once we get this in the rearview mirror and, uh, you know, they can actually have a live crowd to to bounce things off of. But, uh, but yeah, I think, like, to your point, um, they did a pretty good job, you know, for the majority of, of uh, 2020 especially. So then we get to the, uh, the Lumberjack match between Damian Priest versus The Miz. Now, prior to this, Morrison was in the back. He opened a door and saw saw some zombies and I, I thought that was going to be like the end of it. I said okay they're just trying to promote the movie I had no idea that they were going to bring <laughs> these guys out dressed as zombies I mean they the thunder the Thunderdome screens were replaced with graphics of a dark city um this was just dumb I mean I, the creative team deserves to be shit on for this I, I feel bad for the wrestlers I mean mm-hmm. pre-screening is fine but I think fans are just going to whine about how stupid this was and won't remember that Priest got a, got a meaningful win. I mean, it was just – it didn't make sense. It, it, this is not where that needed to be, and it didn't make sense for either one of those characters. <clears throat> if it had been somebody like Undertaker, Kane, even even The Fiend, it might have made sense to have some yeah. Lumberjacks because maybe that, that's more attuned to their characters. But Damian Priest or The Miz, neither one had any affiliation with supernatural things or, or the dead or anything like that. It was just, I thought it was a very poor way to, to, to market a, a movie. Yeah, no. And it's, you know, and, and it's the thing that we talk about all the time, you know, there's so many things that WWE can do, right. But, um, you know, they do this hackneyed crap and it's like, it's like either they just feel like they have to do it and they, they're going to, you know, half-ass it, you know, just to get through it, or, you know, that's the best idea they could come up with. And if that's the best idea you can come up with, you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and 
you know, it, it's unfortunate because, like you said, I mean, this is a good card. I mean, and even this match is a good match. But as you said, you know, Miz is a is an A lister from Hollywood, and you know, Damian Priest is this, you know, rock star god, you know, you know, total badass. Neither one of them have anything to do with zombies. <laughs> and and like it just it makes no sense um and and you know then to, to insult our intelligence by having the zombies devour john morrison and the miz um just absolutely idiotic um i i just you know and, and i'm not one to sit here and rip on anybody you know obviously you know we've talked about creative and other companies we've talked about creative with wwe um you know when it's good it's good when it's bad it's it's awful and um, and this is this is one of the awful ones. Um, I, I think we'll probably remember it for a long time. It'll be like the uh, the uh, Orton and um, Bray match where the uh, oh, I can't remember what that was called. The uh, where, where they were in the house, whatever. Was it? No, it was yeah. the. Um, oh, I can't remember what what the match was called, but yeah, it was it was pretty awful. Yeah, and then you know to force force feed a promotional tie-in too, it's just it's just a double whammy for me. Um, you know, I can I can handle bad creative, but then you know the the promotional tie-in for something else, it, it's just it's just double the crap. Um, and uh, you know that's unfortunate. I, I think Priest is, is a guy that I think if they put a rocket on his back, I think he could be really big in this company. Uh, obviously Miz has shown who he can be time and time again. Um, and you know, you, that's what you saddle them with. Uh, and he distracts from what, what was probably going to be a good match, no matter what they did. So, well, I, unfortunately I think too, towards ACL in this match. So he'll be mm-hmm. out for a while. Yeah. He did suffer an injuries. The zombies devouring him was their way to kind of write him out for, about, I don't know. I don't know how they're going <laughs> to handle that. But I know he's, he, his uh, ACL is is done, and him, he'll be out for a while. And I guess I had read—I didn't know if you knew this or not—but uh, Damian Priest's success was going to was hinged on the fact on if uh, his WrestleMania match with Bad Bunny, I guess Miz and Morrison was successful. Like if he wasn't able to get Bad Bunny over, like if that whole thing would have crapped the bed, his push yeah. would have been over. Well, he definitely uh, did exactly what he needed to do. Uh, yeah. I mean, I could, I couldn't even take Bad Bunny out of the lineup before that match. Um, and you know, he he just he trained him well. He, he you know he was the one that taught him to do that uh, Canadian Destroyer. Like, I mean, he just he brought it, um, and it, they you know that paid off. You know, whereas this, you know, that's not his fault, but it, this just looks stupid. Uh, it's insulting to us as as wrestling fans. Um, just as insulting as a fall on the cardboard. Or, you know, three sparklers going off in the corners of the turnbuckle posts. Or, <laughs> you know, that's, it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta pay these things off and you gotta, you gotta give the same effort to your A storyline that you do to your mid card storyline. Um, and that's what's, that's what's frustrating for me is, is there's just not that continuity throughout the entire show. Uh, there, there's a tweet that I, that I wanna read real quick before we move on to the next match. If somebody, the zombie shit WWE backlash show was insulting. So he tweeted back and said, WTF, you telling me? You think I booked a bunch of effing zombies? I'm on a damn plane. Shouldn't you be tweeting then? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
<laughs> I just thought I'd, I, I'd share that, that, you know, he, he kind of thought it was, it was a little bit too. Yeah. That's, that's hilarious that he's throwing Vince under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, oh, Lord. And then, and then we go uh, to the SmackDown women's championship with, uh, Bianca Belair versus Bailey. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was a competitive match from the moment it began with both women getting a lot of offense. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was as good as Belair Banks at WrestleMania. Right. Uh, it was still okay, but it was a different kind of match in terms of story. And I, I think they were trying to do a finish where Belair would use her hair to keep Bailey down, but then they do, didn't do it smoothly. Uh, she didn't win with her KOD, so this obviously will, I think, go to another match between them since it was a, what we refer to as a lucky pin. Yeah, um, she didn't. She didn't um, pin her. Def- I think this is going to move on to maybe Hell in a Cell, where she does actually hit the the KOD to put away. But I thought it was for what for what it was. It was pretty. It wasn't as good as the first women's match on the show, but um, right. to show that they they have chemistry and they they pulled off pulled it off. Yeah, no, and and you know, I thought I thought going into it, this would be a good match. Um, my my only issue really is is the the long term booking. If you look back a month, what was Bailey doing at WrestleMania? You know, Bianca's main eventing, by the belt. Yeah, Bianca's main eventing the show in a in an unforgettable classic, and yeah, Bailey's showing up to be a comedic you know joke and getting shoved down the ramp by two retired wrestlers. Um, it's just. You know, you have to have those things in mind. I mean, maybe maybe I have a longer term memory than than they give people credit for. I don't know, but I, I think that's kind of a, a backwards ass way to book something like that. Um, you know, you want Bailey to look good going into that. Um, that's where that you know a, a women's battle royal would have been a helpful thing to have had. So that's yeah. No, I mean, and that brings up a good point of the fact that. Far too often, we're seeing people get title shots without really earning them. I mean, yeah. you know, like Bailey should have had to win a gauntlet match or some kind of a four-way match to, to earn that yeah. title. Same thing with Rhea Ripley when she came to the main roster. She should have had to. Now, you could say, well, she was second. She was runner-up in the Royal Rumble. Yeah. So she could use that as, you know, since Bianca chose yeah. her, her opponent, that she could choose Asuka for her since she, since she was she was the runner-up. I mean, I could buy yeah. that. That Bailey should have done something to get some yeah. some credibility back to be able to be a contender for the title, right? And not and that's not to say Bailey's a scrub. I mean, she was the longest reigning you know women's SmackDown Women's Champion, but at the same time, there has to be a logical consistency with what you're doing. Um, you know, if you're telling people that you can't get title shots because of X and X, but then you know she's getting pushed down a ramp one month and and, and you know in a title match the next. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, there's no reason for her to be a title title contender. Um, <clears throat> you know, obviously she lost all her rematches against Banks. She's you know lost the, to to Air before. You know, it's, like you said, she needed to have a more of a credible uh, return to that to that form. And I think that that undersells what they're trying to accomplish by you know having Belair be a strong champion or undercuts, not undersells. Right. I mean, it just, you know, you have to have, I mean, we all know it's, it's a pre, it's a predetermined sport. It's not really a competitive sport, but you still want it to come off that way. You still want to give people a reason why they should 
want to see this individual in, in a title match because otherwise think about, well, what do they do to, to get into this? Why are they facing somebody? They haven't done anything to earn this spot. I mean, you, yeah. don't, you don't want to get to that point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're watching it with somebody that, that this is the first time they've ever watched it and they're like, okay, so what did she do to get in this match? Oh, she asked for it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's it. Like, I mean, and it's, you know, those things can work if it's not a title match, but I think, you know, to have your titles have credibility. I mean, obviously they're just props. Um, and as you said, it's a predetermined, predetermined show, but there has to be a consistency and a logic to what you're doing. And, you know, there's no, there's no rankings. And I, I go back and forth on whether I like that in AEW or not. I'm not saying everybody needs to do that. Obviously TNA tried it for like two weeks and it backfired on them. Um, back in the day, like, I'm not saying you have to have that, but just have some kind of logical storytelling method, um, that makes sense to somebody that's just picking it up for the first time. Well, it's um, like Kofi Kingston got his WrestleMania <laughs> match. It's like he, he earned that. He yeah. had to go through a gauntlet match. He had to go through elimination chamber. He had to go through another gauntlet match. His, his tag team had to go through a gauntlet match just yeah. for him to get you know, an opportunity at Daniel Bryan, he had earned it. People wanted to see that. They're like, yeah, yeah he earned his spot. He earned this, this right yeah. to face Daniel Bryan. I mean, and that, and that's what you want. You want somebody to cheer for to say, yeah, they, they earned that spot. They, and they've earned where they're at. Right. Exactly. And, and there, there should be a line to it. You know, it's the same thing with like a, you know, gender getting pushed to the top of the top of the card. You know, I, I'm sure. I mean, he even won a battle Royal at least. But, you know, it's it's that, you know, there has to be a buildup to it. It can't just be an overnight thing. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, in sports, those things happen. You have those, you know, once in a million underdog stories. But, you know, there's usually some kind of story behind that. And NXT, I think, that, I think, does a really good job of that. I mean, they don't yeah. just hand out title shots. They're no. almost every champion they've had have, has earned their title. They, they've earned they've earned the right to to be where, where they're at. Everything makes sense. And that's why it's just, it, it boggles my mind how much different NXT is from yeah. raw or SmackDown. And it's the same company. <laughs> yeah. It's just, no, it's, it's insane. I mean, it's, we could say that every week and it's still, it still would not make sense to me that, you know, we're looking at, you know, three, three facets of the same company. And it's like, you know, one's one does it slightly better than the other. Um, you know, or obviously, um, you know, I think NXT does it does the storytelling the best. It's more sports oriented almost. Um, obviously, it's still sports entertainment, but they have a more sports related feel. And then, uh, you know, SmackDown has done a great job with not only, you know, trying to keep that sports related feel, but also, um, you know, they, they have elevated talent better than any brand that I've seen. Um, and then Raw, you know, they have their moments, but. For, for the most part, it's been kind of a shit show. So. Yeah, I mean, that, that that three hours, they just have way too much time yeah. filler in that time frame. But speaking well, of Raw, oh, I'm sorry, go oh, ahead. I was going to say, well, and, and that was another thing, and I'm going to interject real fast. Uh, I was thinking about that after we talked about the other day. Uh, you know, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, they actually don't have two hours. It's more like an hour and 20 minutes with commercials and stuff. Right. So, so you're talking like a full extra hour at least um for that for that raw every week um that they're doing over anybody else i mean 
you know, obviously I've already saying that with three versus two, but, but just, just the commercial time really cuts in. So they really have to have a tight show um, on those other shows that were, t- that we talked about. But anyway, I'm sorry. I got off topic there. Well, no, I am, but we also got to think too, sometimes during commercials, the matches still keep going. Yeah. Like they'll start a match and then they'll go to your commercial break, but the match is still going on. Yeah. I know in NXT, they do a, sometimes they'll do a picture in picture. And yeah. sometimes I watch that, sometimes I don't. But, um, but yeah, for the that's... most part, yeah, they have about an hour and a half worth of a show that people actually actually get to see. So mm-hmm. they, they tighten it up and, and they make the most of their time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That was my point. But, yeah. But the WWE Championship uh, was next. It was uh, another triple threat on this show for the Raw brand. Uh, Bobby Lashley against Drew McIntyre versus Braun Strowman. I actually thought this was a very, very good match. I thought it was an excellent match that played out very well. It was all action, just like the women's match. No chin locks or wrestling. They mm-hmm. worked hard, had a lot of fun moments. Um, I thought all three guys had big spots in the match. Uh, they took out Lashley, and then he came back to find a way to win. Yeah. You know, then that's the kind of booking they've done in other triple threat matches in the past. But yeah, I really don't mind it here because of the situation. Like, okay. you know, I, I thought him going through through the ramp up top him him and McIntyre had that all out brawl and then it was him and, and Strowman in the ring and Lashley came back to find a way to win in the end um, I thought McIntyre was outstanding in the match not only because of the big moves he hit on Strowman mm-hmm. as well as taking out Lashley but he took some big bumps he took a big like he was going for the Claymore kick on the floor and brought, Strowman caught him and put him through a table with a powerbomb yeah he powerbombed yeah and this was probably Strowman's best match in a few years because I think he's had a bad stretch. So it was nice to see him <clears throat> uh, competing at a high level again. Again, Strowman getting pinned by Lashley was was what I expected because yeah. I think they're going to go with another uh, Lashley McIntyre tire singles match. I think that I think that most likely will be at uh, Hell in a Cell because from what I'm hearing, the rumor for SummerSlam is it, it could be Bobby Lashley against uh, a returning Brock Lesnar. And that's. You know, uh, I know you've been, um, you know, mixed mixed opinion about that match. That's one I definitely want to see, um, just because of their backgrounds are similar and their their statures are similar. Um, and I think it would be it'd make for a great great match. Uh, obviously, probably be pre- be pretty short, but I think it would be entertaining. Um, well, the the mindset I was at when I said that was this was before Bobby Lashley really broke out. I mean, he's, oh, okay, he's really you know put himself out there as a dominant champion. He's come a long way from being the, uh, the wife stealer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, putting him in MVP was the best thing they ever could have done for either one of them. And, yeah. you know, he's, he's been dom He's been a dominant champion. He's been a good champion. He's, yeah. he's all power. And to see that against Lesnar would, would just be now I'm more intrigued to see that than I was before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. My, my issue, um, you know, from this match was just, I could have swore when they when he went through that LED board, they said he was out for a week last time or something like that, and then for him to pop up at the last minute and uh, and spear Strowman and get the win, uh, I just kind of thought that was inconsistent. Um, but that was just a minor gripe. Um, I thought I thought it was a good match overall. Um, just I, you know, sometimes they just they just add too much to the booking. Um, but but. Uh, I can see where you're coming from on that. And, and like you said, that power bomb out of the Claymore was pretty badass. Um, and as you said, that's probably the best bronze looked in a long time. He's, he's been off, uh, you know, not, not, not any fault of his own. 
um, you know, just bad booking. And then, you know, uh, you know, he's been off getting himself in shape. So I think he's, he's ready to, uh, you know, up his game. And I think this was a good first, you know, good first step for that. And then we have the last match of the night, which is the universal championship match between Roman Reigns and uh, Cesaro. Uh, neither of the Usos were out there for this. I know before the match, Roman told uh, told Jay to go find his brother, and he was pissed at him about something. But uh, I thought yeah. it was a, another outstanding championship match for Reigns. Um, I could easily call it almost a five star match. I thought they both performed very well. I mean, Reigns is already performing at such a high level right now. Mm-hmm. Cesaro more than held his own throughout the match. The story was about Cesaro hurting his right arm early. Mm-hmm. That arm throughout the match, nearly every move that Cesaro did was about using that arm, but yeah. then struggling to fully utilize it. It's kind of like what Roman Reigns did with Daniel Bryan when he had to use his yeah. other arm because Bryan was focused on, on his arm. So uh, every time he did a move, he, I, he'd sell the arm injury, and Reigns was relentless in going after the arm. Um, they're doing a fantastic job of putting over the guillotine choke as a as a finisher for Reigns mm-hmm. since it made Brian pass out and then Cesaro as well. So I think it's good to give Reigns that range that he could win with with more than just a, a pinfall submission. He actually has a, a submission move that he can use as well. Um, but yeah. I, I thought it, I thought it made both men look good. I I expected big things out of this match and and I wasn't disappointed. No, uh, you know I. I had read about it um, as it was going on, and then I went back and watched it. And um, like you said, uh, you know, just an old school pick pick a body part and work it and tell a story with the match. You know, 100% psychology. Um, obviously, both of these guys can do tremendous things physically, um, but that story was what drove the entire match. And like you said, uh, you know, Cesaro's big power moves are, you know, an uppercut and a neutralizer that he uses an arm to, you know, reach under a guy's trunk. Um, and, you know, for him to do that, he, he couldn't use his arm. And, and like you said, that told the story of the match. And it was, there wasn't any, you know, big, you know, hokey spots. There wasn't any exploding, you know, turnbuckle. You know, nobody went through an LED board. It was just good old fashioned, you know, tell a story. It's a, it, it was a Bret Hart match. Is basically how I looked at it. It was, yeah. you know, pick a body part and, and work it over until you get to the point where there's, you know, a, a logical conclusion to the match. And and like I said, they they told that story so well. I mean, there was no, there was no in, interference. There was no overbooking. I mean, you know, the overbooking came at the end, um, and it was when the match was already over. Uh, yeah, I'm, and, I'm I'm a bit surprised that it was a totally clean win, but I think it's a case yeah. of. WWE realizing that Reigns won cheap a lot of times during this run, so yeah. it's time to give him clean wins like he got over Brian and now over Cesaro. Well, and I think the other thing that the commentary did a really great job uh, of of hammering home um, was Reigns' experience in title matches um, and his experience in WrestleMania main events, and you know, and then pointing out this is this was Cesaro's first championship, you know, WWE or I'm sorry, Universal Championship match. So, you know, they really hammered home the experience factor. And I think that that keeps, you know, as long as people are paying attention, I think that keeps that from hurting Cesaro that much. Um, you know, and and like you said, you know, there was there was a lot of believable moments there where he could have won the match. 
Um, and it just, it just didn't go that way. And, uh, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, it was a, it was a, like you said, it was a classic, um, one of the better matches I've seen in a long time. Yeah. And then you had, um, at the very end, Seth Rollins and attack Cesaro to reignite that feud, which I'm thinking they'll probably have another match at hell in a cell, which I expect maybe Cesaro to win, but I could see them giving Rollins a win. He may need it a little bit more. Yeah. Already, already defeated him twice, but it's, it's really kind of a toss up. I'm, really tough to tell right now yeah um, uh, they're they're doing a really great job of building a uh, legitimate heat feud between them um uh you know and rollins came up with some really innovative stuff to to look punishing uh wrapping his arm in that chair and then throwing it against the uh turnbuckle post um just that looked gnarly and um you know really they really did a good job of putting over him you know just attacking the guy while he was down and, um, you know, that really fit with the character they're trying to build for Rollins right now. And uh, just, I, I think it'll be, you know, they've, they've put on good matches already. I don't, I don't doubt it, you know, being locked in a hell in the cell will be any different. Um, just more to the, to the, you know, Cesaro finally getting his chance um, to really do something in this company. So, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see what happens with it. Well, I'm going to go ahead and get my uh, final I thought it was a very good show because they had six matches where five of them got a lot of time over 14 mm-hmm. minutes, and the main event went nearly 30 minutes. Uh, Reigns yeah. and Cesaro, I thought, did a tremendous job in having a competitive universal title match with the Roman winning clean. I thought it was very similar to the Reigns-Daniel Bryan match on SmackDown a few weeks back. Uh, I enjoyed the WWE title match. You know, The two women's matches were okay with predictable outcomes as Belair and Ripley got clean wins to continue their reign. And then it was cool to see Ray and Dominic Mysterio winning the SmackDown Tag Team titles, although I still think it would have been better if WWE waited a few months until fans were at shows. Uh, yeah. That moment, I think, would have led to a big pop from a crowd. <clears throat> um, the zombie lumberjack match between Priest and The Miz didn't help either guy. Uh, I just thought it was it was stand that was done to promote the Army of the Dead movie starring Batista, but it was just kind of painfully bad to watch, and I felt bad for the wrestlers involved in it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you put a good bow on on all that. Um, I really don't have much more to add. I think I've talked enough that my throat's given up on me. <laughs> so uh, this was good. I mean, they kept it like I said. They kept it for around three hours, six matches. I think that was that, that was a, a very a very good time frame. Is you know the ones that got. Um, the, the most time were really good and stood out. And hopefully they do the same with Hell in a Cell next month. Yeah, just good, concise booking and not, not overdoing it. Um, really, really helped the show and in, in, in as a whole. Um, so, uh, Jesse, we're, we'll look at uh, uh, later this week recording another version of our new, our regular episode format uh, with the five and uh, wrestling rubbish. Um, I, I don't know what day that'll work best for you. Uh, I'm thinking probably Thursday, but uh, if you, uh, we can talk about that off air, but um, uh, I'll let you uh, close this out for the night unless you have anything else you wanted to add. Yeah. I wanted to add one thing. I've read that um, already the raw announced team is being shuffled again as the new guy, Adnan Verk, I guess, hasn't quite worked out. 
Uh-huh. Um, he has been released already after only about maybe a month. Um, he still needs a little bit more seasoning. I can see why why they got rid of him. He he just didn't really know. Like Pat McAfee makes sense. He's he's yeah. very good. He's been in the wrestling business for a while now. Uh, he's yeah. actually done some commentary work over in NXT. So yeah, uh, him being a new commentator makes sense. But this uh, Adam Invert guy, he just didn't he, he he didn't quite fit. At least you know not yet. Yeah, I I'd seen that too. I actually shared it to our Facebook page, but uh yeah, I I don't watch Raw a lot. Um and I from what I heard from him, I was not impressed. Um he, he didn't really have a presence on the uh on the announce team. Um didn't have that like commanding voice that you listen to as a lead announcer. Um and you know, maybe like you said, maybe this is just, you know, opening jitters or whatever. I know uh I'd read WWE was trying to have uh, announcers that were smaller than the wrestlers as like a visual thing. Um, if that's even really necessary. Um, but, uh, but I, I think he was part of that and hopefully they, they're changing direction, but you know, obviously if it, if it works out and he can come back and, and do a good job, you know, we, we would hope for that for him. But um, as of right now, it's just not a good fit. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean that was the only other thing I wanted to bring up about that. But I, but on a personal note, I think Pat McAfee's doing a good job. I may have a little bit of bias on that, but yeah, since you know he's a former uh, Indianapolis Colt, but I, I, I think you know he's a true wrestling fan that has a passion for the business, and I think does the best he can. He br- he brings a very good energy to the show. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, all right, everybody. Well. Uh, we will hopefully see you. Uh, I'm, we're trying to gonna try to shoot for Thursday. Uh, we'll go ahead and do uh, two this week since we didn't get to do two last week, but uh, we'll try to do two this week. And um, everybody, be safe. Uh, we're uh, I think over the hump as far as COVID goes. So if we just keep going on that path, it may uh, eradicate itself out entirely. But still, be safe. Wash your hands. Sanitize. Do everything you were taught to do as a kid. And uh, I'll leave it to Johnny to close out the show. All right, team. See you uh, hopefully on Thursday. Have All right, have a good night. night.